When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Clear the Cash. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And of course, with me once again is Jesse Bach. You can find him on Twitter at Planet underscore fatness. Jesse, I don't know if you can tell the level of energy that I am bringing to the table tonight. It's very real. It's palpable. I can feel it. The listeners can feel it. I just got back from parent-teacher night, and it was so, so, so sweet. My daughter current fifth grader, just went into the fifth grade, 10 years old, Jesse, time flies, okay, 10 years old, it's pissing rain outside as we arrive to this thing, I live in the Pacific Northwest, all it does is rains here, of course, and we're getting to the door, long line, get soaked, get to the, the front door, and there's a lady there, and the lady's like, what, what's your name, and I'm like, well, I'm Nate, this is my daughter, this is my wife, of course, I said their real names, and then She's like, okay, so you're going to go here, 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 and here. Uh, just go ahead because of COVID. Please social distance. So we're like, oh, yeah, okay. Open the double doors, Jesse. One step in the fucking door. Boom. Traffic jam. There is hundreds of people. And we're like bumping shoulders. People are very apologetic. People's masks are popping off left and right. It's, it is chaos ensues. I don't think that they've planned ahead for this because they had K through every grade imaginable crammed into one hallway, Jesse, and it was amazing. I mean, this was a sight to behold. Doesn't sound like proper social distancing. And uh, this is this is a healthcare worker speaking, and that's a little <laughs> slightly concerning. Let, let me, well, I can hold my breath for a long time, so <laughs> okay. it was okay. I just was like, okay. I just been taking, I've been watching these Navy SEAL breathing videos on YouTube and I'm just like, that's what I'll do. I'll just hold my breath for like 35 minutes. <laughs> and then when we leave, I'll just get some fresh air when I get outside. So that's what I did. But it, it was, it was literally like a theme park in this place. Nobody knew where they were going. There was no coordination. The ladies that were at the school and they had earpieces in and they were flagging people down and nobody knew where they were going. It was great. It was like if you pulled all the stop signs out of a four-way stop, that's what the fuck was going on at this school. It was absolute catastrophe took place, um, but we made it. We met the teacher. Uh, she was very enthusiastic. My goodness, very, very enthusiastic, which you love to see. Hopefully, Jesse, um, do you, I mean, do you have, did you bring the energy tonight? Is your energy at the level that mine feels like it might be right now? Uh, maybe it's not as 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 enthusiastic as your uh, daughter's fifth grade teacher, but yeah. it's there. We bring it every show here. True. Sure. 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 Cool. 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 Yeah. It's uh. It's a. I feel like I had like three cans of Coke and two coffees, and I didn't though. It's just back to school, baby. All right, Jesse. I didn't see it. You did, and you informed me of this because for whatever you've got, you've got a sixth sense for this. 
you know, spider senses, whatever the extra third eye, uh, 11th toe, you've got all these different things that are working in your favor and you always know what's going on in the industry. So you text me today and you go, did you see this HBO series? And I'm like, what, what HBO, uh, Entourage? What HBO series are we referring to? And you're like, no, not Entourage, though it's a great show. Thank you for agreeing with me. You said that there was something that took place on HBO that you, you actually feel like a lot of card enthusiasts should probably check out. Is that true? Definitely. Um, I am not sure the actual air date. All I know is that it aired this past week, and by the time that this uh, podcast is launched, it, it aired a week ago. Um, I think it's just, I don't even know how, how often HBO Real Sports uh, uh, airs, like once a month or something, or I don't know if it's weekly or biweekly. I have no idea. Um, so this was the August 2021 episode, if it is monthly. Um, it was uh, the very last segment of the sh- of the of the broadcast um, was geared towards sports cards. Surprisingly enough, uh, that that topic comes up on our show. So um, it was focused on um, one collector by the name of Adam Rips. If you guys haven't checked out his Instagram. Um, you will see by far the most impressive collection uh, gathered together by an 18-year-old, probably ever. Um, I think his, I can't remember his his Instagram handle. I think it's at Rips Cards, something like that, R-I-P-P-S Cards. Um, yeah, it's at, at Rips Cards. Uh, he is a Giannis super fan and a Giannis super collector. Um, he basically went on to tell his story. Like, they they, they started the 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 segment by interviewing him and you know it's an 18 year old who's uh, whose net worth is like over three million dollars that's pretty damn impressive like they in the in the in the interview he talked about like how he's worth more than his parents are and whatever wait wait Um, wait what's his net worth over three million dollars what does this kid do and he's 18 years old he transacts regularly in sports cards jesse so you're telling me that there's people out there that can make that much money trading cards well uh, potentially, but he's been doing this for quite a quite a bit, at, at least seriously for the last five years. I want to say, um, what what happened was, I think even before he was thirteen, he started he started taking this somewhat seriously, and around the time of his I don't know thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth birthday, something like that, he um, requested permission from his parents to use be able to take out his bar mitzvah money. Oh, he's, he's, he's part he's of one, the tribe. He's one with the tribe. Yes. <laughs> of course he is. How much is this kid up for bar mitzvah money? <laughs> uh, five grand. Okay. All right. So, that's fair. This, um, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good bar mitzvah. So um, he got permission from his parents to take out five grand of his bar mitzvah money to invest into Giannis cards. And I don't think he's from Milwaukee either. I don't know if he's a Bucks fan. Um, I think he's from New York, if anything. But anyway, this whole um, he basically stated that this this investment that he made when he was like a teenager was by far the best investment he's ever made in his life that really any of us, almost any of us could have made um, because it turned his collection to what it is today. And he has by far the best Giannis collection you'll find out there. Um, so this the segment started off with interviewing him and and then it kind of divulged into or diverged into um you know, looking at different parts of the market and basically how much how much cards are worth today compared to maybe what they were worth a couple of years ago. Um, they apparently HBO. I didn't. I had no idea. HBO had cameras in Chicago, um, 
at the national, I, I don't know. I, I saw so many damn cameras that I really didn't know like who they belonged to. Like if it was the local news, if it was whoever, um, just YouTubers. So, um, they went to the national, they were talking with dealers there, very, very big dealers and prominent people there. Um, they, they were talking to big time collectors from California, like Southern California, Beverly Hills about their multi-million dollar collections. And the, the reporter that, um, uh, that basically that, that was in charge of this whole segment, he would look at these people like almost like they were crazy for not thinking about selling something that may be multiplied in value. And when we're talking about like tens of thousands to even like millions of dollars, and these people still aren't considering selling, um, this reporter is looking at them almost like they're crazy. So every time, like every, I can't remember this reporter's name, but every time he had a question about a card, his first question would be, okay, how much is this worth? But this is the first question and like, and it might be something that hasn't sold in so damn long that like even the person that owns it is saying like, oh yeah, my value, my, my valuation would probably be X. So it's just very, it's, it's kind of, kind of like a gray area, but he just, he just wants to get to, you know, like the bottom dollar, um, of every card valuation and that like money was always the, the bottom line with, with the reporter. Um, and it's definitely a segment for everyone to watch for sure. Um, just because it's, it, it provides an interesting perspective from somebody who's a complete outsider in this. Um, and he essentially compared it like him and Brian Gumble at the very end, they compared this market to like the stock market and how something that can have such insane, um, su- uh, such an in- insane run up in such a short amount of time. Like if it goes up, it can come down. Um, and I think even, even in the middle of the, of the segment, one of the, like the, the Beverly Hills collector, um, who had like a 40 or $50 million collection of 24, 25 cards. He said, yeah, this, I mean, he's like this, this, this shit isn't a joke. Like I've, I've run the numbers of the S and P 500 over the last 20 years. And I compared it to the value, the valuation of my cards and maybe a decent amount of the market in general. And it's outperformed the S and P 500 over the last 20 years. So if that tells you anything. So, um, yeah, they, they were more comparing it to the stock market, but I think what the, they interviewed some great collectors too, some very passionate collectors, um, and people who, who definitely have uh, very good, you know, a lot of skin in the game and, um, they know what they're talking about. And they were, they kept trying to tell the reporter, listen, like maybe you should, you shouldn't be comparing this to, I think the stock, the stock market might be an inappropriate comparison. Um, I mean, it is a market, but you, uh, you might want to compare it more to the art market just because that's what people are seeing this as right now. Um, and and that's how they're going to see cards that they've wanted. There's going to be, be people who are, you know, in their twenties right now, and they still can't afford these cards that are tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they're going to make, they're going to make it like their life goal in the hobby to try to get these cards, even like 30, 40 years from now, like that's going to be something that, that people are going to be striving for. So, um, I had, I had a couple of critiques on, on the, the segment of them just kind of comparing it to the stock market and, um, even Brian Gumble himself, he, the, his final question of the whole segment was, all right, sports card, uh, sports card market bubble that's about to burst. And like, it was just kind of, it was almost like it, they almost made it a little clickbaity. 
um, in my opinion. So, but it, it's definitely something something to for everyone who's who's interested in, in the hobby and um, who has HBO access uh, in any form should uh, should definitely take you know twenty minutes out of their day to watch um, you know if you guys have the chance. I you know just what you've told me about it. And what I expect them to do, it seems like they may have gone a bit clickbaity. But assuming all these people that they talked to on there were given the opportunity to kind of spill their entire feeling about the market and their belief in it, then it would be pretty cool to see sort of an open and honest you know, opportunity for these people to kind of tell their side of the story and what it's like collecting at the highest level for many of these people. But I'm not surprised that they're, they're saying, is a bubble going to burst What's the bubble on the art market, right? I mean, that's exactly why it makes more sense because you it's sort of in the eyes of the beholder. We're going to talk about a card at the end of this episode that if it sells, Jesse, I'm done. I'm going to quit. The sh- we're shutting the show down. Like, the website, I'm going to crash it. I don't know how you crash a website, but I'm going to figure it out. We're going to take it down. It's going to be toast. Um but yeah, I, I'm not surprised that they tried to clickbait it because it's sensationalizing has become a big part of everything nowadays. But it's cool that some of these guys um, had an opportunity to speak. And you said, or maybe I read it wrong, have you met this kid that had the Giannis cards? Yes, I met him. Um, I met Adam Rips at the National. He was sitting with um, with the Card Talk pod guys at uh, one of the tables that was closer to the to the main entrance. Not sure how... Yeah, that's, uh, I probably shouldn't have mentioned those guys, but um, yeah, he was he was a very nice, humble kid. Um, he didn't act like at all, like you know, this the uh, dude. I'm a millionaire. Like, fuck you on for me. Um, no, he was he was very he was very pleasant. Um, you know, we we just talked for a couple minutes just about the the bucks, the, his Giannis collection, and I'm I'm just like, dude, like you must you must have been like the happiest motherfucker in the world as soon as as soon as they won, just like just so you can get it like kind of, you know like Steve Young get that monkey off your back. Um, even though his collection was already like an incredible, you know that was that was an insane investment on his part, and the collection is just beautiful. So. Um, yeah, no, he's 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 a really nice kid. Um, I'm I'm sure he'll be at future shows if you guys want to stop by and say hi. And for sure, follow this kid on Instagram. He like just some of the stuff like his philosophies are very smart. He has like very good takes on game use memorabilia and maybe how that might be a market that's like certainly underappreciated. Uh, that's that's a whole other rabbit hole. Um, but I totally agree with him on his his take on that. But. Uh, if you guys go to any like any nationals in the future or big regional shows, there's a decent chance that you're going to find him there dealing there. So, um, yeah, for sure, check him out on Instagram and and see if you could find him at at a show one of these days. Now, Giannis is obviously an ultra collectible player. We know his ceiling. Uh, we haven't even substantiated it yet. It's getting scary how high it could actually be. But quarterbacks are king, and Giannis is not a quarterback. Maybe he could be. I don't know if he can throw <laughs> he a ball, isn't. but he's not a quarterback. Jesse. Yeah, you and I started talking here over text message recently, and we were kind of talking about some of the most aged, decorated quarterbacks still currently playing, some of the most decorated quarterbacks that have recently retired within the past couple of seasons, maybe even just this year. And I kind of wanted to talk with you about the dichotomy between a few of these names, how you and I perceive them uh, comparative to maybe some of the already retired uh, Hall of Famers or close to Hall of Fame level players. 
and then talk about some of the options that exist and kind of what you've seen or the pulse value on some of these cards because what we've talked about uh, to ad nauseum at times is that you're trying to find these moments, these little pockets where, uh, just like if you're collecting Kyler, you're waiting for those blow-up games. If you have these retired players, you could be waiting for uh, like the Tiger Woods, uh, you know, um, documentary that gets played on TV. You're waiting for a Hall of Fame induction. You're waiting for these things. So if you could find these moments, there could be this burst in value. And sometimes you have to hold for a little bit. And that might be the case with guys like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. Would you say that's true? It's it's honestly stupid to me how I, I'm not going to, all right, like, like take it easy. I'm not going to say they're just undervalued and buy everything and anything of them. Um, but when looking at their prices in comparison to um, all-time great quarterbacks who are who are kind of getting their due, like Brady is more more than enough getting getting his due. Um, not uh, again. I'm not saying that they're Brady, but I'm just saying that if we're seeing um, all-time great quarterbacks that might have played when we were all cognizant enough to to understand and and appreciate the game much like um, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, when you're comparing those guys' prices to somebody like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, it kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit um, just from just from a valuation perspective. I, I Honestly, we can't really compare anybody to Brady right now just because Tom Brady is going on a Michael Jordan trajectory right now, okay? So that's like his prices – Hit, like just even for for some of his rookie cards, especially the low pop ones, like the Bowman Chrome refract, refractors and high grades, those are already like almost million like million dollar cards. It's just it's insane how valuable they are. So we can't we can't really compare either of them to Tom Brady, um, both from a card perspective and just like you know their career um, accolades. But if we can kind of maybe compare them or see them on like. Uh, maybe on the same level as somebody like a Peyton Manning. I think that's a fair comparison. Um, Peyton Manning, the interesting thing about Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning has a very um, devout collector base because obviously he was a Colt for a majority of his career and Colts fans are Colts collectors or they like a lot of them only collect Colts players and, and all, and all of them collect Peyton Manning. So he, he has the, the fan base um, and, then on top of that, um, people like I, I've I've been told by so many people, the very wise people in the hobby, that Peyton Manning probably would have been just about what Tom Brady would have been if Tom Brady never played in the league, or if Tom Brady never became what he became. And that's I think that's a that's a that's a valid point. Um, I've even speaking of the National, when I was at the National. There were so many people looking for Peyton Manning cards. It's not even funny. Like we we kind of we hear snippets of like, oh, what was the hot thing at the Dallas show? Oh, what was the hot thing at the Wisconsin show? At the Miami show? Whatever. Um, I could say in terms of football, football was for sure the hottest thing, um, the hottest the, the hottest sport at the the National in Chicago. Um, and I would say I probably heard Peyton Manning's name maybe as much as Tom Brady's and Mahomes. So that kind of that kind of shows you something about maybe Manning and how much prices how much his prices could even grow in the future, which they certainly can. Um, but in terms of maybe 
uh, how we'll see Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers' career when when all is said and done. We'll probably see them closer to somebody like a Peyton Manning. And what we're seeing price-wise doesn't really line up that way, in my opinion. I mean, Manning, for many people, is the second greatest quarterback of all time. As you and I have talked about, I could, or just about anybody else, could make the case that Drew Brees is the second best quarterback of all time by the numbers and and what he did. Again, this is a guy with one Super Bowl title. Again, same as Rodgers, one Super Bowl title. Who knows if... Green Bay has been close in the past. Uh, who knows if Rodgers doesn't get one more before he goes out. Might be unlikely, but let's assume they both end with one. Drew Brees was absolutely stellar throughout his career. And again, this is a guy that of all the names that we've talked about from you know, from uh, Rodgers to Manning to Brees, he has blown them out of the water in terms of pass attempts. Even if we talk about a guy like Ben Roethlisberger momentarily, I mean, blows him out of the water in terms of pass attempts. Again, 20 years in the league, going from San Diego, playing for a majority of his career in New Orleans. But you look at what he did over the last couple years of his career, I realize that the volume of pass attempts went down, but we saw a more refined talented version of Drew Brees. I mean, honest to God, like if we could reverse time a little bit and keep where he was in his career at the end there and kind of roll it back, he probably would have even more incredible numbers. And Brees has been screwed in the playoffs too, right? I mean, just like Manning ran into some New England teams that screwed him in his route to winning, you know, or going to Super Bowls or, you know, getting opportunity. We saw the same thing with Brees along those same lines. And I would agree that when I look at Breeze, when I look at Rodgers, they seem a lot more comparative to Peyton Manning. Um, and, you know, you can look at the tool on pro football reference, how they evaluate players and put them into sort of uh, a points-based metric. And Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are basically neck and neck, essentially, in Hall of Fame potential. And then number three there is Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers and so on. And so that's just how they valued them out on there. But... Interesting to see Drew Brees six or seven on that list. But if we think about his future trajectory, if Tom Brady is sort of the Michael Jordan of the sport, that means that there's a big teardrop or price break to the next most valuable player. And if we believe that's going to be Peyton Manning for all of his production on the field and what he will be since his career ended, right? We've already seen him everywhere and I expect him to do even greater things. What are the odds that Brees can reach Manning value? Um, I think it's more within the range of outcomes than people realize right now. And it's, I'm really seeing that with some of the prices of even his rare cards. I'm not even talking about rookie cards anymore. I'm talking about cards that collectors of his truly would desire. Um, in my eyes, I don't, I, I, so full transparency, I have zero Rogers and I have zero breeze cards. Um, so I'm just, this is, this is literally me just giving my take here. Um, there has been one Drew Brees card in particular. Um, it was, uh, I'm sure listeners will look this up as soon as, as soon as they listen to this episode. It's the, it's actually one of my favorite years of Topps Finest. It's the 2007 Topps Finest gold refractor Drew Brees BGS 9.5. It's been on my watch. It's a true gem plus by the way. So I think it has 10, uh, one of the grades is a 10, um, and the rest are nine fives. So that's that brings the card closer to like a PSA 10 evaluation than maybe a Min Gem 9.5 or a PSA 9. So that card has been on eBay for months. 
um, listed as or best offer. So that card has been, um, and the price has never changed. It's never, regardless of how Breeze Market has been doing, it's always stayed the same. So the seller has it listed for $550 or best offer. I haven't looked up the pop. I honestly, the pop might even be in the listing description. I have no idea. It's it's a super. It's it's a low pop card. There's only fifty gold refractors out there, um, of breeze, and just to compare it, I don't want to. I don't want to compare it. You know, V to V to to Tom Brady, but just just for for argue, for argument's sake of maybe breeze being a, a little cheap. Um, the same year, same card for Tom Brady, 2007 gold, top's finest, uh, gold refractor Tom Brady, PSA 10. Okay, grade's different. Um, that was listed through PWCC when PWCC was on eBay for $6,900 or best offer. So we're talking like 12 times the price of of the Breeze. I'm not saying it's sold for that price, but we're even just to even start a conversation of where of where the seller is at and where where he can meet the buyer it's i i don't know i think personally i i understand brady obviously carries carries a goat premium um but if anything that probably it, like if i was if i was a breeze collector i would be all over this card um i'm sure there are several saints fans that are listening to the show that are going to at least take a look at this card um, it's a beautiful card, honestly. Like, like I said, I love 2007 finest, um, 06 and 07 finest are some of the best years of gold refractors in tops history, in my opinion. Um, but just seeing something like that and seeing how reasonably priced Drew Brees is, um, kind of makes me excited if I were to be looking at Drew Brees cards, um, from either from either collecting or or investing it's this is not something that you're going to make money in in three months necessarily unless if you're just looking to like make 10 or 20 percent of your investment or something um but it's something that i think for sure down the line will be far more sought after than it is right now well i know a couple things one <clears throat> that card's gone <laughs> congratulations to the owner of that card it is officially sold uh, Jesse's got the Midas touch. He just kissed it on the forehead, turned into a golden baby or whatever happens. I don't know what Midas did. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Jesse, so that card's probably gone. And I, I like the take, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, Obviously, Tom Brady is just on another level in terms of values. A player that we haven't necessarily mentioned yet would be Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is a guy that has to be at the end of his career. If it's not this year, it's next year. If it's not next year, we're shutting down the fucking website. I'm getting rid of the podcast. I'm going to crash the website. I don't know how to crash a website. I'll learn how to crash it. I'll crash the website. There's a lot of obsession about crashing our, our new website. We're going to crash that website. I'm going to crash it. Uh, like Big Ben uh, went ass over tea kettle and crashed his motorcycle. So Ben Roethlisberger, wear a helmet. Um, would you say that it's a fair comparison to put him closer to the Brett Favre tier rather than the Peyton Manning tier? Absolutely. Um, from so many, from so many levels, I think from like his style of play just mirrors Brett Favre so much. Um, I, he has what one more Super Bowl ring than Favre does, but in terms of maybe how exciting he was as a player, um, he, like, I don't think necessarily he was seen as, 
he never had a season, even in fantasy, where people saw this guy as like the guy. The you, this is the you want in a league. Whereas I, I like, you know, in all honesty, Aaron Rodgers had those years, and Drew Brees probably had those years. Maybe like, you know, ten years ago, around ten years ago or so, um, and. It, in terms of the collectorship right now, I, I'm sure there are Big Ben collectors. Um, there's probably not too, too many right now. So I'm sure I'm sure Steelers fans and Steelers collectors are probably, you know, happy with that and being able to find his cards for, for a decent value and even his rare rookie cards or rare cards down the line. Um, but, you know, there's, there's super rare 90s parallels and inserts when Favre was well into his prime that are thousands of dollars right now um and i i think brett farb is a, a a fair comparison to to big ben and um honestly the steelers fan base is very devout um they are they're a very they're a very devoted fan base and kind of kind of reminds me of the the colts fan base in in certain ways so um in terms of a collectorship in the future when you know big ben is undoubtedly a, a, a hall of famer at some point. So um, I think if you'd be looking at some of his more rare cards and some collectible cards, the, those can, you know, certainly go up in value. No, no idea how much I'm not saying he's even going to reach Brett Favre prices. But um, if you're if you're at least a collector in the time for the time being, um, go go crazy investing in, in or in collecting Big Ben. Two things I'd like to say. One, you've missed numerous opportunities to refer to Peyton Manning's following is a cult following. Number one, very missed opportunity. <laughs> really need to work on that. Number two, what's going to blow you away is that Big Ben, what player, what active quarterback in the league do you think that the uh, pro sports reference Hall of Fame metric has Ben Roethlisberger neck and neck with? Current player, current quarterback? Current quarterback. They're separated by... One and a half points, and he's actually lower than this player. Current quarterback. So this is a quarterback that have that has had to have been playing in the league for some time. Yeah, I'm guessing quite some time. Okay. Quite some time. Um, he may have just lost his alpha. Maybe an alpha that you PC. Uh, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Okay. Now I know Steelers fans are probably swerving on the road right now but that's how people drive in pittsburgh anyways <laughs> and so it's it might be shocking to hear that right but it's it's i this metric is fairly accurate with the way that it's predicted things over time and it will be interesting to see the way this plays out because i think a lot of people think that ben roethlisberger is a surefire hall of famer and a lot of people might tell you that they don't think that matt ryan is uh, interestingly enough, but Matt Ryan has also been ultra productive over the course of his career as well, uh, in a different way than Ben Roethlisberger. But I don't think Matt Ryan's name ever comes up. I think we might have talked about him on a show, and at one point, you and I were going back and forth on rookie cards. But in your eyes, is Matt Ryan collectible? I mean, outside of an Atlanta fan, you'd be surprised. Uh, eh, okay, all right. With that stipulation, are you kind of yeah? You almost you, you almost dovetailed there. that one right um, there. I <laughs> I've seen I've seen Matt Ryan cards uh, listed at card shows, even card shows close to me in Philadelphia, um, for you know pretty decent prices. So he definitely has a collector a collector base. They're probably majority Falcons fans, but 
Falcons fans, they surprisingly they travel too. Um, I've I've met Falcons fans from Wisconsin and the New England. Um, yeah, Falcons fans are they're they have a bit of a cult following themselves. So um, they they uh, <laughs> not really, but um, but I think. Uh, I I mean I've seen gold tops chrome uh, 2008 tops chrome Matt Ryan rookie cards graded go for a decent amount of money at shows. Um, maybe it's just the same dealer that I'm running to. I don't know. I don't really look at the dealers. I look at the cards. But um, yeah, I've I've seen his stuff listed for for a decent amount, and I've seen I've seen auctions of his like rather rare cards like even gold kabooms go for a decent amount of money so people people look at matt ryan too even after the whole julio jones news and and the whole julio move people still look at matt ryan so there's there's probably something more to that than than either of us had thought originally so he might be a sneaky name on the list and i want to ask you a question because i was looking at the statistics i was looking through some of these players that we named and we were talking about peyton manning earlier and i had a question for you peyton manning has played played 17 NFL seasons. Jesse, my question for you as we talk about production on the field, how many, and fans at home, feel free to guess out loud, how many of his 17 seasons ended with double-digit interceptions? 17 years in the league, how many of those did he throw more, 10 or more interceptions? I'm going to say nine. Nine of 17, so you're essentially saying close to half. Yes. Okay, now before I answer this, I'd like to go to Aaron Rodgers. Over the course of Aaron Rodgers' career, when you look at how many times he threw over 10 interceptions, Aaron Rodgers, two times in his career, more than 10 interceptions. Two times, okay? Let's go back to Peyton Manning. One time in Peyton Manning's career did he throw less than 10 interceptions. 16 of 17 years in the league, 10 or more interceptions. That's a fact. Holy shit. That's a, wow. that's a fact. You are Wow. Yeah. Yeah, think about that for a second. I mean again, Aaron Rodgers twice in his career throws 10 or more interceptions every other season. Essentially eight or less every year outside of that. Just an interesting statistic when we think about Peyton Manning. It's, you know, what does it really come down to? And he was so ultra productive. I mean, he had some of these, the way that, the way that I view some of these all-time home run hitters, the home run race, when I think about Manning's 49 touchdown season, when I think about his 55 touchdown season, he had some of the most monster fantasy production years that you can imagine, elevated players around him everywhere and I I understand and I do believe that he's the second best quarterback of all time that's that's my belief I think again people can debate it there's some quarterbacks we haven't named yet that people would probably be up in arms about right now that we hadn't named but to be fair I think the I think the the total understanding of what we're saying if I'm getting it right is that Breeze and Rodgers are equal to Manning and Big Ben is equal to Brett Favre so does that put Matt Ryan next to Philip Rivers? Is that are they side by side? That's a pretty good comparison. I would I we didn't I was just thinking we never mentioned Philip Rivers' name in this. And it was just kind of I that's that's pretty apropos. I don't know. Like you kinda you kinda think of Philip Rivers as 
in terms of his success in the regular season and maybe not not as much in in the postseason and you can honestly say the same for Matt Ryan outside of the one Super Bowl year um so just kind of I don't know it's one of those quarterbacks that's always the bridesmaid never the bride um kind of kind of situation there so honestly the, those two mirrors it's truly right unfortunate Jesse what's not unfortunate though is underdog fantasy they are the sponsor of this show obviously we have to talk about them when we get a chance listen download the underdog app guys today use the promo code underworld you'll get a 25 dollars bonus cash for new players who deposit it's all the rave everybody's talking about it everybody's using it why aren't you jesse we had uh, a question from the patrons before i get to this fucking card that somebody listed on ebay I want to take it down. Now I want to crash eBay. I don't know how to do that, but we're going to crash something. So this is from, again, now, is it Seb Cartez? Okay. Yes. You we got, got that right. Now this is, this is I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to get your, your stone cold opinion on this. It goes, hey guys, exclamation point. That's how I imagine he said it. We sometimes hear you talk about the look of 90s insert cards, how they look cool, and how some are still valuable. In your opinion, in recent years, 2010 plus, what insert set has the best chance to hold or gain value in the future? Other than Kaboom and Downtown that are two obvious ones to me, 2013 Select Hot Rookies, 2020 Select Certified, any others? Thanks for the help. Good work. That is an excellent question. Um, because my go-to would have been Kaboom, and people have been shitting on Kaboom recently because you know certainly uh, you know there are people out there that think it's it's getting hyped up, and maybe maybe to an extent, and uh, maybe it is. Um, but I still love it. I, I don't I don't care even even if it's getting hyped. Um, that's an excellent question. Outside of Kaboom and Downtown, I was like, I like Downtown. It's not my favorite insert, um, but definitely Kaboom for sure takes the cake. I'm trying to think of, hmm, I'm trying to think of other inserts that we've seen maybe in the last, you know, five years or so. Hmm, that's a good question. I do like. I I don't think it's Select Hot Rookies, although I love that set. It's a it's a great looking insert set that I think Panini only made for one year in select football. Um, and uh, honestly, like any the, the red, like the red, the white and the gold prisms of that set are just beautiful. I've seen a couple of black prism one of ones too. And it, that's just like an insane card. Um, so maybe in terms of like my favorite cards of all time, that might be, or my favorite inserts of all time, that might be, that might be up there, but in terms of something that's going to hold value, I have no idea. I mean, we can we can all just kind of we can all kind of guess from here. But I, I what's funny is I, I've joked with a couple of people who I who I, I talk closely with or um, on a daily basis, like Ethan, for example, and I told him like, dude, like there have been people that collected in the '90s who um, they had grails back then or in the 2000s uh, or, or early 2010s and maybe they those cards from the 90s weren't as desired as they are right now and now they cost tens of thousands of dollars and they didn't even know like it's just it's just kind of i don't know it's just kind of something that that generates somewhat organically over a long period of time and i can't name any off the top of my head that i can say with with like you know 100% certainty that they're going to they're going to um stay valuable but 
honestly, with, with Panini right now, it's tough to beat Kaboom. Like, they've just had this insane run-up. I'm not... Uh, I don't know how how the prices are going to look like in the future, but if Panini, if uh, Fanatics doesn't require doesn't acquire a Panini's printing press, or you know, if they don't acquire Panini in any in any form or fashion, so that means maybe there's no more Kabooms anymore. I think Kabooms in the future are going to be you know pretty sought after. Um, but yeah, I have a that was a very long non-answer, but um, that was an excellent question. And I'll I'll have to think on it and probably privately message uh, a Seb in the future or maybe mention it on a future show. You've got a career in politics, sir. <laughs> you are that was a dipsy doodle if I've ever seen one. Um, impressive, Jesse. Impressive. Here's what's not impressive. I've really been just I just needed to get everything off the show sheet so I could get to this. This is when you've got too much shit on your desk and you got to clear it off because you got to put a big pizza on there, right? You're going to eat a pizza. You need space to eat a big pizza. So Jesse, I was, I don't even know how I ended up here to be quite honest with you. I'm not sure what amount of Googling or searching on eBay leads a man to this card, but I was led here. If, if like when you lead a horse to water, what you lead a gorilla to water, a gorilla to a banana. Is that what it is? Is that how you is that how you catch sure, them? Sure, we can we can go with that. Yeah. Okay, I'm in a long winded way. I'm trying to say I have stumbled on a 2016 Leaf Live Harambe, the Gorilla card uh, PSA 10, and clearly it says Pop One in the title. Lots of exclamation points. Best part, two two best parts. One in the title it says Open to reasonable offers. Second most important factor, this son of a bitch has it listed for $20,000, Jesse. Sounds like a reasonable price. <clears throat> so I want to make him an offer for a buck and see what <laughs> see where we go. How does this happen? What, do, is there any chance that this card ever has any value? I mean, who does this card have value to? Um, I... I think he was kind of blowing smoke when he said pop one, just cause I literally found another one just searching this just now. So not sure about that pop one status. Although funny enough, it has 28 watchers. Um, dude, honestly, if you're listing that card for $20,000, like, why don't you just list it for, I don't know. I like at that point, just list it for $69,420 and say you're open to reasonable serious offers. It's not like it's an on-card auto, for God's sakes. I mean, come on, right? Am I right? I think I think if, if it was an on-card auto, that, that, that Leaf employee would be dead right now. Give Arambe a fucking pen. Yeah, I mean, RIP, of course. But it's this card, when I see these cards, Jesse, number one, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I mean, I don't have a problem. They make cards about everything. Uh, telescopes in the sky have cards, right? I mean, we know this. They they exist. It's the fact that anybody would list this card for $20,000. I mean, it it always cracks me up. It's such fishing, but I'm assuming that nobody's ever going to pay this number. No, I'm I'm wondering, like honest to god, I'm wondering if this guy takes $500 as a serious offer. You going to do it? Hell no. <laughs> okay, listen, <laughs> if any one of the listeners of this show can get this guy to sell you this card for over $500. We will give you a feature on the episode. We will we'll bring you on for five or 10 minutes to talk about your purchase. The card is 2016 Harambe Leaf Live Trading Card 
PSA 10, pop one. You can't miss it. It's listed for $20,000. It's $19,999. Too expensive. Overpriced. We know that already, Jesse. So that that's my that's my statement to the listening audience. If anybody can achieve purchase of this card, it doesn't even have to be for five hundred. I'm just curious if you can secure the bag on this card and live to tell about it. We will bring you on the show to tell us about your journey because I am interested to see how you can pry this away from the Harambe owner who's asking twenty thousand dollars currently, Jesse. Maybe it was the zookeeper. You ever, That's what I was thinking. Yeah, honestly, is it? No, it's the guys from Texas. Probably not. Uh, you never know. But it, nobody knows. It probably is held by a zookeeper. That's a great guess. I don't know why I didn't think about that. That's such a. It's so smart. You're so smart to think about these things. I don't know how you do it, Jesse. Well, somehow, Jesse, we put together a show. You and I thought when we came into this, we're like, we don't know. How are we going to pull this off? You know, it's like. <laughs> I got to make dinner. We went in the cupboard. We just started finding things. We threw them in a bowl, mixed it up, and boom. Shit's pretty good. Dinner. <laughs> it tastes pretty good. Captain Crunch, barbecue sauce. Let's do it. <laughs> we got it put together, Jesse. Well, awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, I know next week we've got some exciting stuff. We're trying to reel in a guest. We've got some really, really awesome guests kind of on the horizon. If we can get them locked into a date, um, we'll be able to bring some really, really, really cool features to you guys, including the guy that who purchases the Harambe card. Please, God, buy it. Somebody buy this card. Um, also, guys, uh, if you are interested, go to clearthecash.com, drop your name, first and last, email address, and we will put you guys into the email list with the updates of what's taking place on the website. We will not spam you. I can promise you that much. Um, and when we do email you, it'll be updates. We'll have a little bit of actionable content in the email um, and a lot more is coming in the future. So again, guys, thank you for showing up. It's parent teacher night. Very excited. We kept the energy very, very high tonight. So we will see you guys next week on clear the cash.